From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, RV camper, your parents' basement, loft, taxi, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A special hello to all of you listening in on one of our affiliate stations across the United States and Canada. The podcasts, of course, at TalkZone.com. All right. And, oh, let us not forget the Conspiracy Show app. Free download from the Apple Store and Google Play for those of you who have Androids. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes. Uh, Peter Moon, independent investigator and author, is standing by uh, to discuss one of my favorite subjects, time travel. Uh, he has made made uh, a number of expeditions to Romania, and uh, we'll discuss science fiction or science facts when it comes to time travel in just a few moments. Just a reminder, get on up to the website, strangeplanet.ca. Now that's your portal to all of my projects, and uh, the click on the radio page for The Conspiracy Show. And there you can learn all about uh, tonight's show, for example, uh, information on our guests, any books they have, links to their websites. Uh, take a moment to register there. As a member, you just click on the blue bu- blue button. It's, it's easy and fast and free, and it gives you access to member-only areas. Uh, all right. Let's get to it, shall we? Peter Moon is primarily known for his investigation of space-time projects. These concern projects in the past, present, and future that control both time and perception of time. He's an avid reader, and as a, uh, he was an avid reader as a young man. He studied creative writing and literature, and was particularly interested in both the scientific extra- extrapolations of science fiction as well as the high adventure that it provided. In 1983, Peter moved to Long Island, where his unique background enabled him to forge an association with scientist Preston Nichols, one of the world's foremost experts in the world on electromagnetic phenomena, who has been involved in strange experiments at the Montauk Air Force Station on Long Island, which included the manipulation of time. Their collaboration in writing The Montauk Project, Experiments in Time, and its subsequent sequels have now reached legendary proportions. Peter's work caught the attention of time control scientist Dr. David Anderson of the Time Travel Research Center on Long Island, now reincorporated as the Anderson Institute in New Mexico, who invited him to Romania and paved the way for him to investigate other space-time projects as discussed in the Transylvania series, one of which includes uh, what has been called the most amazing archaeological artifact in the history of mankind, a chamber that contains a holographic record of the Earth's history, as well as holographic readouts of human DNA and also other species. Peter has just released a new series of videos, Time Travel Theory Explained, which explains in simple language the actual scientific principles demonstrating that time travel is within the boundaries of ordinary mathematics and physics. He's the author of The Montauk Project, Experiments in Time, and his new book, The White Bat, The Alchemy of Writing. Peter Moon, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. Uh, let me begin by asking you a little bit about David Anderson, your association with David Anderson. For those who are not familiar with Dr. David Anderson and his work with time travel, give us some details. Well, uh, Dr. Anderson is a very intriguing and mysterious character who appeared in my life in uh, August 11, 1999. Uh, he appeared as a physical human being. He was a subscriber to my newsletter, The Montauk Pulse, 
uh, prior to that, so I had some idea of who he was when he introduced himself. Um, he introduced himself as a uh, physicist and mathematician who had a time travel research center on Long Island, in Hopog, Long Island at the time. And he uh, said that he would like to work with me, that he invited he invited me out to lunch about a week later, and uh, he had just gotten back from Romania, where he attended a camp. Um, he was a fill-in substitute uh, at that camp. He was in Germany at the time, and they said, will you fill in at this camp and talk to this camp in Romania? Uh, called Atlanticron, and we'll be talking about that probably. But uh, he said that he would like to get me to Romania, meet some of his friends there. And, of course, that was 1999. It, it wasn't until 2008 that I actually got to Romania. But um, David Anderson at that time said that he had developed um, a field whereby you could slow down time or speed it up. That field was about the size of a soccer ball. And he began to learn this technology sort of by, I guess, happenstance when he was studying uh, satellites in outer space when he was working for the U.S. Air Force. He was assigned to help them uh, keep their position because satellites will drift out. So he ended up learning about uh, how to warp space and time through for satellites, and he realized that this, what he was studying, had the potential to actually change time. And he tried to, to air, interest the Air Force in this, but they were too dense, and they they didn't they didn't accept it. So, because his work was stalled in the Air Force, he got released from the Air Force. Applied to get released from the Air Force. He was approved. He'd sold all his stuff, uh, and he was ready to leave. But then they wouldn't let him leave because they figured there was more to this than than they had realized, at which point he petitioned Senator Jay Rockefeller of West Virginia, which was his home state, and, and Rockefeller helped him get released. And he went out, uh, he patented the algorithms to affect this uh, satellite technology. And he went out, became independent, and he, he got a lot of... Uh, private interest in his research from the medical industry, or the medical investors, because if you, you can slow down time, you can preserve organs. So that's where a lot of his initial funding came from. Uh, and then that was 1999 when I met him. Um, by the year 2010, he announced that he could actually send humans back into time. He had he had a huge, uh, a much bigger field. I mean, because he expanded the field from the size of a soccer ball. There was a lot of drama in between then, you know, 2000, 1999 and 2010, which he went out of contact totally with me for, for five years. And then suddenly... Did, did he give you any details on, on how... Obviously, this would have been all proprietary uh, information, but did he give you any clues as to how he stumbled onto this, the, creating yes. this field? Yes, he, he gave clues because he was studying, well, in other words, the Air Force had problems with their satellites drifting in outer space. So he had to create a, a space-time model to figure out how to maintain those 
those satellites. And in studying, in studying that, he realized that time could actually, space time could actually be warped, right, right, and effectively warped. And but um, I'm a little unsure as to whether I, they were using that. I don't know if they were using that for the satellites or it was the study of that where they were actually making the satellites, you know, maintain their orbit. Whether because I, I do know that they uh, a, a girl from NASA told me that they actually use sort of retro rockets to, to maintain those satellites, but. I don't know if all satellites have retro rockets, so because they, their orbits will decay. So I'm, I'm not really sure if his study involved using retro rockets or his study literally had them maintaining, you know, slowing down time. I, I'm not really sure right. about that, but that's what got him into it, and then he saw the potential of it. Um, in order to forestall the, de- the the decay of these satellites in orbit, this field uh, th- that was sort of the idea, and it led to the development of this this field. Yeah, it was, it was, it's, it's something like that. I, 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 right. That's one thing I will ask him when I have more, uh, you know, talk time with him. It's it's not, you know, a terribly important question for me, but I mean, I, I am interested in it, and sure. I will put put that on. It's one of my list of questions when I when I meet him and have a chance to ask him. Absolutely. Now, um, that period that you were sort of incommunicado with him, um, was he time-traveling, do you suspect, or did he tell no, you? No, I, I don't think so. No, okay. Um, but the, this funny thing about him is that when you've been tagged um, by by that phenomena, you know, how, how can you... How, how do we know? Exactly. Um, but uh, when he was gone from uh, about 2003 to 2008, he had left a bunch of his stuff with me. That uh, He had a museum. He was building the, the time travel museum he was going to build on Long Island. And he, when he went... He had to get rid of his time travel research center in Long Island, and he said he was going into. He ended up working for Bosch Industries in Rochester, New York, hmm. and Bosch is a huge defense contractor. And what he was working on was security systems. He didn't really talk, but you'd see him pop up on the internet where he was doing high-powered security systems in uh, India. And I always got the impression that because he had had problems with his research center being broken into. Uh, in Long Island, he had a couple of robberies. Oh, bad. Yeah, and, and he basically, then the government came to him and said, hey, look, at, we'll help you with security. We'll help you with security. Let's partner up. And, of course, it made me think that they were the ones that caused the break-in. Exactly. Create the disease in order to offer the cure. Uh, hold on, Peter. We'll take a time out. We'll come back and talk about time travel. Science fact, science fiction, and uh, you'll take us to Romania and just tell us what you discovered there. Peter Moon, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Peter Moon is with us. The website, timetraveleducationcenter.com. Timetraveleducationcenter.com. And um, if you go onto the website, 
there's sort of a free tutorial there where you can learn the math and physics of time travel simplified for the layman. Uh, Peter Moon. Uh, now, did this uh, did this come to you from from David Anderson? This uh, sort of the the algorithms involved in in time travel, or how was the the well, this the, theory the, explained? The, it's it's not necessary to get into algorithms and whatnot for for understanding this. Um, and what what happened basically, how this came to be, was I I was. You know, he brought me to Romania in 2008. And in 2008, it was, uh, there was a lot of international guests at this camp. Now, the camp is called Atlanticron, and it meets in southeast Romania on an island in the Danube every August, or it was July at that time. And it's for kids, basically, artists, writers, and scientists, and you have ages 16 to 30 it's now younger kids are allowed there now as well and then of course there are older people who come as well about three to four hundred people will come through the island in a particular week and there's university professors there some of the best professors in in romania and they would also invite international guests at that point so i'm from new york there were six other people from New York with me on that particular year. But in 2008, we had an economy crash. So all of the corporate funding that was coming, sort of like free stuff as soon as I show up, uh, kind of dried up. And so, like, I'm the only one who comes back <laughs> out of all those people. Right, right. Um, and I go back, uh, you know, self-funded. I was brought there by corporate dollars, basically, or by the World Genesis Foundation, uh, which got sponsorship from corporate corporations. Um, I'm now one of the board members of the World Genesis Foundation, um, which is to give kids an opportunity to, you know, make sure everybody can have an opportunity, if at all possible. So, in any case, uh, the, the second year when I went back, 2009, uh, David Anderson was giving lectures on time travel, time travel theory, and all the stuff you see on the videos on TimeTravelEducationCenter.com is what I learned. Now, I actually co-lectured with him. Uh, he would lecture, and, and then he'd invite me. He'd say, you know, he'd run down, whatever, and I'd, I'd pop in and start talking about the stuff that I've written about, and then I'd turn it back to him and... Um, and of course, I was getting educated in the process, but that was 2009. Um, he told me that he would be putting it out on a website at the end of that year, which he did do, which you can now find AndersonInstitute.com. But if you, if the average individual and even the average highly trained, highly educated physicist goes to that website. Um, nobody really caught on. And he taught me something, which is explained in the, the first video you'll look at. It. It's called the invariance of the space-time interval. This is a concept that was uh, put forth by John Archibald Wheeler, um, a very famous physicist uh, who is also one of the authors of the Everett Wheeler hypothesis or many worlds theory. And uh, David explained this to me 
he personally tutored me on this concept, and when he did, he says, there's only about four physicists in the world who understand this. Um, this is no longer the case. Many more physicists do. Um, so anyway, is, is, although I tell you I, I learned this stuff and I studied it, uh, I, did, I did understand the invariance of the space-time interval. But I had to work, when I got home, I forgot it, and I had to work very hard at recapturing it, which I did. Nevertheless, it wasn't until two years ago that I began to tackle that website. And it, it, it's sort of explained in the new book I'm working on. Uh, it's called Stardust and Initiation into Time, which is also available as I write it to the subscribers to the website. The, there's a paid subscribership and a free subscribership. That one's part of the paid stuff, and I haven't finished the book yet. They can watch me write it. But basically, I started doing an exercise, a Qigong exercise called the dark room, where I immerse myself in darkness two or three times a day, which is an exercise I've done. And that enabled me to actually comprehend his website ah. and then to dumb it down. And I, when I say dumb it down, I'm not really saying that in an insulting fashion because you have to mem realize I'm not a physicist or a high-level mathematician, Okay. I have an apt, a high aptitude in math, but it's something I never pursued beyond, you know, pre-calculus. Right, right. So, 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 but any words, and I'm very good at breaking things down into simple language. So I took what he, in that, that uh, his uh, website, and I put it into a, a newsletter, Montauk Pulse newsletter, which is, I think I mentioned already he used to subscribe to it. Now I always send it to him for free. But he, he read the article, and he was so impressed with it. He said, he says, nobody's ever had the patience to break this down. He says, can I use this when I go to my lectures, you know, to universities or wherever I go? I said, well, of course you can. I made a special edition for him and uh, to make it more, you know, academic-friendly. And then it came around... Uh, last November, I decided to put these in the video shape form. So I, I took, uh, you know, and, and see, he was supposed to release videos on time travel years ago. He always wanted to do time travel videos for the public, but these would never get done. And the last time I talked to him about that, uh, he said that his partners were were prohibiting that. And by his partners, I assume he means the government. Right. I, don't, I don't push him uh, on certain topics. But, but nevertheless, um, so now I find myself doing the videos. Now, the, it's one thing to, to get the mathematics down, uh, but it's another thing to have the, the, the energy. I'm, I'm assuming it would require a great deal of energy to create one of these fields. I mean, I don't know, you know the, what, are the, what the physics are, the mechanics are involved in creating a field. Um, but I, I would imagine, I mean, it would be formidable. Uh, it's a tremendous amount of energy, and it, it requires so much energy that uh, scientists recognized um, Frank Tipler in the 1970s wrote a paper. From Tulane University, isn't that's it? That's correct. Yeah. And, and he, he basically uh, formulated something uh, called the, the Tipler Cylinder, which showed that... Um, you know, you could actually move in, you know, in time, but it required a tremendous amount of energy that was 
you know, many times the power of the sun. Now, where this breakthrough was able to be to happen for uh, David Anderson's time reactor, which is a patented technology, is that um, where the breakthrough happened was that he realized that when they were putting energy into, you know, the, the little system that they had, which is the size of a soccer ball, it would actually create more energy. So it looked like they were getting free energy from somewhere, and they didn't understand it. And what what basically is, is when you have two, um, what you call areas of, um, I can't even remember the name, um, time dilation going on. Rotating fields is creating time dilation, which we have around the Earth. So when the Earth spins, it's really changing time, but it's only a fraction. It's so infinitesimally small that it doesn't count. But but, but there's a natural energy in that warping of the field, a rotating body. And when you can tap it, and when you have two two of these areas together, they will create what's called a space-time motive force discharge. Space-time motive force is a term that he had to coin because it is a a new, different type of energy than is conventionally... um, Right. Has has this work been published and peer-reviewed? Well, as one of uh, David's friends said, he has no peers. <laughs> you see, right. and, and, and so it, it tends to be attacked. Uh, has it been published? He, you can go to the website. You, actually, I, I don't know that I have it. Um, it's I, I have it on my website for the paid subscribers, but it's also on the internet. Harvesting space time motive force, uh, where he discusses two videos, part one and part two, uh, where he discusses the. You know how this is accomplished, right? And you know, I'd be but, very curious. Uh, Dr. Ronald Mallet from the University of Connecticut, a theoretical physicist who's been working on a theoretical time machine for some time, and uh, uh, I've had the pleasure of speaking with him a number of times and meeting him a number of times. I'm wondering, has he ever been exposed to this information? Do you do you have you ever spoken with? Uh, um, he has been completely exposed as a. Uh, you know, a virtual fraud. Uh, in other words, he is a scientist, and Spike Lee bought his book for a whole lot of money, and he was featured in Popular Mechanics. But he has no, he has no real laboratory, and he he basically it looked like he took some of David Anderson's work and kind of funked it up. But he he does not understand the basic principles, and he doesn't even have any funding of any serious amount. He was you know trying to get money and. And, uh, you know, he, he has been exposed as somebody who, who really doesn't know that much and certainly isn't doing anything. And, but he gets built up by popular science or mechanics, or whatever, published them. See, and they, they ignore David Anderson. All right. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know when you say he's been exposed. I don't know. You can that. look on the Internet and, and you can see what he has and what he knows and what he doesn't know. I'm saying is, and I, I mean, I say that you know, forthright from all, all the available knowledge. But he, but in other words, he actually says you can't go back in time.
from before where your time machine right right is. yeah you can't and, go and back which, further than before the time uh, yes, time machine he was has developed a complete misunderstanding as you'll see in the videos i don't mention him in the videos okay the other reason i bring him up is or mention him is because you brought him right up. right but, well it's um, it's one thing to say someone is is you know they're incorrect in their thinking but i i just I'm, i want to be very cautious about throwing a word around words like fraud well, I, well as they say you can you can you can look at uh uh you, you can study, you look up, you know, uh, fraud and, and, and him, and you can, you can make up, people can make up their own mind. They'll have to do that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But um, um, from all of my understanding, yeah. In other words, uh, but the bottom line with him is, is if, you, if you look at these videos, the, f- the first seven videos of the series Time Travel to Explain, you'll see that he does not understand the whole concept of a closed time-like curve and, and how time can actually be uh, bent and you can go back. You, you you can you can move it. He does not understand it. Okay, so and this is interesting. So you're saying that in that according to Dr. David Anderson's work, one could go back further in time, previous to the actual development of this time time travel sure. time dilation field. For that's sure. that's interesting. All right. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's like you understand it, and and I, I mean I had my own personal breakthroughs as I began to understand. And read this stuff. I, I just kind of had this kind of like realize, and I wasn't quite sure where the realization came, but it made, all of a sudden it made sense to me that when you slow down this field, uh, the, the more you slow it down, the slower it goes, the further it will go into the future. The faster it goes, the further it will go into the past. And when I next got a hold of David, and I, he, he, I asked him if that was true. He says, "Yes, you slow it down." So this makes the idea of the H.G. Wells time machine that you see in the movie. Whether you see the clock spinning back right, or forward, right? It's that that completely is um, in tune with with the theories. As is the back of the back of the time machine contraption, which has got a rotating field on it. It's got a rotating uh, disc. So there is actually a machine. This is not just a field that you walk into or like a well, portal. Well, I, I said I'm talking about the H.G. Wells right, machine. Right, right. I'm, I'm saying that, that when they created the picture of that for the movie, right. uh, just based upon the book, it, 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 it really makes a lot of sense, um, the way it was constructed. Right, so right. So call, he calls it a time reactor, and he hasn't shown uh, significant pictures of it. There's a diagram that's... Uh, just a diagram that's it's not even to scale all right listen peter we'll take a time out we'll come back and uh, i want to do i, I do want to delve into your your travels to romania uh, when we come back peter moon with the time travel education center right here on the conspiracy show stay with us where there's smoke there's the conspiracy show with richard Serrett. peter moon the Time Travel Education Center, timetraveleducationcenter.com. He has a new book out called The White Bat, The Alchemy of Writing. And, of course, you'll remember the uh, the legendary Montauk Project, Experiments in Time. Uh, Sky Books is the uh, the publisher. All right, uh, uh, Peter, Romania, you've been back, what is it now, nine times? That's correct. Now, tell me about uh, these uh, mysterious caves uh, that uh, you're saying, or some are saying, could be the most amazing archaeological artifact in the history of mankind. That's uh, that's quite a build-up. Where, where are these caves in Romania? And, and tell me more. Okay, these uh, it's a 
it's more of a chamber than a cave. This one is more of a chamber than a cave per se, although I've investigated caves there. Is that um, in 2003, in August of 2003, uncovered in Romania was, a lot of us were anticipating what would happen in 2003, August, because of the it's called the 20-year biorhythm from 43 to 63 to 83 to 2003, and uh, there was a big blackout in, centered around uh, New York uh, at the 2003, but there was also a discovery of a chamber beneath the, the Romanian Sphinx, and there's a Sphinx in Romania which is more or less on the border between uh, Transylvania and Wallachia, um, how closely does it resemble, excuse me, Peter, how closely does the Sphinx in Romania resemble the one in Egypt? Well, um, I'm, it, it does look like it. I have, one of the books, Mystery of Egypt, that uh, I've produced um, has has a picture of both of them on. They're, they're a little different. But um, the interesting thing, the Romanian Sphinx is not as sculpted in the same way that the one in Egypt is. In fact, there's a particular vantage point where it looks precisely like a sphinx. Its left profile is a man. The right profile, and I, I only noticed this through looking through a, uh, a lens, is like a lion or a griffin. So the whole idea of a sphinx is half lion, right. half, half a human combination of the signs of Leo and Virgo. So anyway, um, it's it's the most famous tourist attraction in Romania. Um, and so basically, uh, beneath this chamber, like quite a ways underground, um, they were able to, to find that there was some something that they couldn't penetrate with ground-penetrating radar that was again coming from satellites, Pentagon satellites, and it was Americans that discovered it. And what is this thing down there that they can't, the radar can't penetrate and see. So there, the, the book Transylvanian Sunrise is all about this whole secret project uh, that was done to uncover this these artifacts where they found, according to the, the book and according to the author Radu Sinemar, who, who I have had an extensive correspondence with outside the parameters of the books, um, basically stated that there was, um, and he actually saw saw this, um, after you go through a whole long passageway to get there, you get into this area where there's, I guess it would look like modern technology, but it's estimated to be some 50,000 years old, where there would be tables were for like uh, six feet high tables. In other words, they were for giant type creatures. And if you put your hand over one area of the table, uh, it would read out a holographic printout. It was a holographic readout of your hand, and the closer you put your hand on the table to this particular area, it would then give you a microscopic readout of your DNA, even down to the atomic level, depending where you put it. And the the ta- other parts of the table would, you know, might read out different different aspects. There were other tables that would. If you put your hand over, it would read out the, give you a picture, a holographic readout of a of a creature, and a star system, and a planet, and you would 
see what the star system was and what the creature was. And then if you put your hand at the same time over another part, it would show another creature in another star system and also a hybridization of the two, of the two life forms. So do, do we know who was down there that witnessed this firsthand? I mean, who is the whistleblower? Um, I don't know if whistleblower is the right word in this case, uh, but uh, but in any case, the, the, the people who saw it that I know of and 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 I know Radu through letters, uh, would be him. And, and the the primary character in the story is a man named Caesar Brad, which is, is a pseudonym for he was the head of Department Zero, which was the most secret part of Romanian intelligence. And um, so Caesar knows who I do. I am. I know who he is. And our conduit has been Radu Cinemar. Although Radu himself has been out of touch for five years. He's only recently surfaced, but he hasn't written to me. Um, he's written to his publisher for the first time in five years. So, um, which means he might have another book coming. I don't know. But, uh, so, so anyway, that, that's, that's what we know. And it's basically a story, uh, and it has a lot of legs to it. Because at the same time, uh, in order to open it, they had to use atomic lasers, which the technology came from America. So there was this first a very secret and tentative alliance between the Americans and the Romanians. And then you see this begin to emerge in 2003 with Romania and America becoming staunch allies, Romania becoming a part of NATO. And as you carry it forward into, into present time, um, Romania is surrounded by people who are uh, neutral or uh, against the United States. You know? if, if memory serves, uh, didn't the United States just move their nuclear arsenal from Turkey to Romania? Uh, I don't know if, the, if that's exactly accurate, but they, they do have a big nuclear arsenal. I don't know if they move what they had in Turkey. It's quite possible because Turkey is turning cold for the United States. Right. All right, Peter, I've got to take a time out. We'll come back and continue to delve into this. Time travel, science fiction or science fact? Stay with us. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T. Peter Moon stays with us. On the Time Travel Education Center, timetraveleducationcenter.com. Now, this chamber beneath the Romanian Sphinx that has this incredible technology, uh, did your colleague, uh, Radu, have any suggestion or any idea as to who may have put it there? Well, um, that's, that was a, a very touchy subject for him. Um, it was a touchy subject in general, but it, it's uh, um, obviously was done by some uh, uh, history, you know, race that would amount to aliens, giants, something that certainly is from the extreme past. Um, so, it, and, and there's even in one of the books, there's a series of um, four books 
that are a collaboration with Redu Cinema, and then The White Bat is the fifth book in the series, which is completely by myself, which also kind of summarizes and gives perspective. But in the third book, Mystery of Egypt, um, he he talks about... Um, What did you just ask me? I want to address the question. Yeah, who does Radu Cinemar have a, yes. a, a theory as to who built well, this yes, chamber yes. and all the technology underneath the Romanian Sphinx? In the third book, they find a similar installation beneath the Giza Plateau in Egypt. And when Caesar goes to, to ask particular questions about, you know, how did this all come to be, it's blocked. You know, he's penetrating a time, that's actually a time chamber, where he can go back and look throughout, anywhere in time he wants to. But he can't, um, and he can't travel, he can just see it, you know, go there, sort of like a mental projection into the past. He's not traveling as a physical body. And when he goes, he, when he, he asks certain questions or tries to penetrate certain areas, there's a censorship involved where the people that created it, you know, um, don't want him to know who they are. So they're sort of hiding like the Wizard of Oz, you know. Right. It, don't look, pay any attention to the man behind the curtain. So is, is this chamber, was it created as a time capsule? It was intended for us to discover so that we could learn about our past and our future? It would seem so, because uh, coincident um, with this discovery of this chamber um, not not the same year but the, the next the sequel Transylvanian Moonrise disc, um, deals with um, the unveiling of a Tibetan parchment um, which is called a terma in in the Tibetan tradition whereby the, these were parchments left in certain parts of the world to be discovered at certain times in the future that would portend, you know, enlightenment. And, and so this, this, the discovery of this chamber comes in concert with a uh, unveiling of, of, a, uh, of a parchment uh, from the, the Tibetan tradition. And, of course, this um, particular... See, what we find in... The person who set up this paranormal department, Department Zero, I said Caesar Brad became in charge of it, but the person who set it up was a uh, doctor of medicine. I don't think he's a doctor of medicine. He was a doctor of certainly of parapsychology from China, and he was actually a in he was in disguise as a as a doctor in China, but he was a uh, a Tibetan Lama. He's called Ripa Sundi. Uh, in, in the book. So you have this mysterious Tibetan connection, uh, you know, because keep in mind, Romania was communist when all this right, stuff right. was initially set up. Um, so they had an affiliation with, with uh, China. Well, that's, that, just let me interject for a moment, because that's an interesting connection, the, um, the Tibetan monks, because uh, monks, Buddhist monks, have long there's this legend surrounding uh, their their ability to bilocate, and uh, I'm just wondering if there might be a connection there. Well, there there is certainly, uh, you know, we don't have bilocation in in the book. We do have what's called a space translation, where in in the book Transylvanian Moonrise, 
the llama accompanies um, Radu with another very interesting and mysterious man uh, who's an alchemist named Eleanor, who is a bridge between the llama and Radu. And he's a real person. And they go to Transylvania, where they actually affect a, a time translation to Tibet, where they go into a, a cave and they meet this goddess, blue goddess, Mashande. And she gives them the parchment. And Radu's job is to, is to see that it's published. Um, it's translated by the Lama, because it's in an archaic Tibetan script, and he has to work a bit to translate it himself, and then he, he, he gets it translated in, uh, to Radu through, through a, one of his assistants. And they then, uh, and then it, it's, tra- it's published in Romanian. Okay. And then I, I, I translate it into, I have it, you know, into English. Just because time is tight here, I, I do want to get to, now this, this chamber beneath the Romanian Sphinx, uh, is this connected with, or is it the same cave? I believe it's pronounced, uh, Chioclovina Cave? Chioclovina Cave. Chioclovina uh, Cave? Yeah, you're close. Okay. Um, no, it's, it's, well, I, I do believe they're connected. Um, only because of the inner earth passageways that are extensive. Right. So it's, it's just like saying you can connect Los Angeles or Philadelphia if you go on the highway. True. But this, um, this past summer you, you visited yes. Chuck Lavina Cave. That's correct. And, and, um, you're saying that in the Chuck Lavina Cave there is demonstrable evidence of a time reactor discharge. What do you mean by that? Well, this is what David Anderson told me. And he told me this in a, uh, broadcast or a podcast, I should say, that was done in June of 2015, which is on the subscriber website now. Uh, basically, he, he surprised me by telling me it's the only thing I've got out of him about Romania. He said there was a, a real a discharge. He said, You'd be interested in this. And he was very surprised when I told him, Well, I've been to that cave, I was just at that cave the previous year. And as he said, that sent his head spinning uh, because how, why did I end up there? And, and he, of course, he determined this through the exotic or rare minerals because of the extreme heat discharge. He said the only kind of uh, way those minerals would have formed in the way they did was through a time reactor discharge. Now, this is coincident with this book, the fourth book in the series, The Secret Parchment, which talks about that general area being an even more sensitive and intriguing area than the chamber we've already been discussing. And when you were in Chuklovina, did yeah. you, and this was, was this, this was prior to you learning about this time reactor discharge there, did you notice anything unusual about uh, the, did you get a vibe or anything? Well, um, the ladies I was with saw blue lights, like blue orbs, and, and these orbs that you often see in, in this area. I mean, people shoot orbs all the time, uh, but these, these blue things will appear, um, and definitely it's, it's a beautiful energy because you're, you're way out there in nature. But what my, uh, my wife tells me uh, that when she sees me in this general area, she says, I look much younger. Ah, interesting. Uh, you know, she says that about... A time dilation, perhaps. Uh, it, it, well, see, there's a lot of gold in this area. So 
So when you have a lot of gold, gold facilitates super consciousness, and okay. it makes you work better. It makes everybody work better. Uh, there's just a tremendous amount of gold underneath this area. That's part of what the books are. So if, if the Chaklovina cave, if there is evidence of a time reactor discharge, I mean, wh- connect the dots for me then. We just have a few moments. So what are we saying that at some point in Earth's past, Chaklovina cave was being used as some sort of a, a, a gateway or a portal for time travel? Or, or it's, it's a connection to what, what the Mayans would call the galactic center and the um, Hunab Ku, they call it. And it's, they have a symbol for it. I just did a newsletter on it, just finished it, not yet published. But um, yes, it's a connection to the galactic center and a connection to the galactic center has a connection to all the other galactic centers. Well, th- um, so th- so these areas I- exist naturally. In other words, there wasn't an actual time travel device positioned there. These these are these are portals that exist naturally on the earth in the earth. Well, it, this is a specifically special one uh, in in Transylvania, and it also connects to Europa. You see that NASA is now going to Europa, and this is part of the book. The planet or the the moon Europa of Jupiter is on the the cover of the book, The Secret Parchment. So you see these things um, at least being mimicked, the the themes of the book being mimicked in, um, you know, reality, as as we would say. All right, just have about a minute here, a minute and a half. Tell us about the new book, uh, The White Bat, The Alchemy of Writing. Well, this, this, this is a summarizes so much in how I got involved in this, but it was the dream of a white bat. And then I would later learn when I, my travels to Romania that the, somebody had seen a white bat, that the white bat was the, the mascot of this goddess, Mashandi. But I was getting a dream of a white bat, you know, years before I even got involved in time travel. So it it's, uh, gives a very uh, overview perspective. And I also discovered there's a whole species of white bats in Transylvania that zoology really knows nothing about. And the, the bats frequent this Chaklovina cave. I don't know that the white bats do, but certainly there are a tremendous amount of bats in that cave, which it's famous for. It's bat guano. Fascinating. It's almost as if perhaps, Peter, going out on a limb here, maybe your past is, you know, percolating up through your subconscious. Uh, perhaps, you know, you, you're a time traveler. Maybe we're all time travelers. Well, the, yes, yes. And the past is the future. And it's all one continuous loop. So when we discover these artifacts of our ancestors, it's really us. And and the trick is to recognize this, this one loop called the fourth dimension. You have to think of it as a time loop with the beginning and the end. Well, unfortunately, we are at the end of this program. Peter, I've enjoyed this conversation. I hope you'll come back. Sure. Happy to. Peter Moon. TimetravelEducationCenter.com. My thanks to Albert Vinzel, Young Will Power, Jonathan Franz, all of you for listening at home. Back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in the shadows, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. <laughs>